us. Good morning, everybody. Everybody having a good weekend? Enjoying this beautiful weather? Who's not enjoying this beautiful weather here lately, right? I told Stephen and Sue, who needs Florida? It's 65, 70 degrees in Michigan in November. And we have a way better football team. Stephen's going to miss me. <laughs> Stephen's one of our regulars on my Tuesday morning fellowship. Uh, or Really, it's not even morning. It's like 11 to 1. And, uh, but we are going to miss Stephen and Sue, so we wish them well and, uh, on their safe travels. I think they're leaving here sometime very soon, here this week. So let's keep them in our prayers for safe travels. And uh, we have many snowbirds, so this probably won't be the first uh, announcement that you hear. I know we have others, uh, Ken and, and Russ and um, Eric, uh, what is it, uh, 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 I'm losing my train of thought. Barb and them, right? Barb and uh, Tom. But they're not, they're, they're not going to Florida. They go to Arizona. They wanted to change it up. They didn't want to be like everybody else. And so as we get into our lesson here this morning, let's open up to uh, the book of Exodus. Most of the passages of Scripture, I'll have some of them on the screen behind me, but most of the passages of Scriptures are going to be in Exodus about 31 to 33, 34. So if you want to open up there before we get started, I know some of you like to follow along in the Bible, but I'll also have passages on the screen behind me. And if you look on the screen, it says, pure of heart, does it not? How important is it, uh, how important is the idea of being pure of heart? When we think about our Christian faith, as we think about being disciples of Jesus Christ, how important is it to be pure in heart? What did, uh, what did the Bible reading for this morning say, right? When we looked at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, it tells us that blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall... See God. Who here wants to see God? Who here wants to, as we, after we stand before God in judgment, be able to be welcomed into his loving embrace, welcomed into paradise, welcomed into the heavenly realm, right? To be with God in, in, in blissful splendor for an eternity. But in order to do that, Jesus says, blessed are those who are pure in hearts. So it's not enough to just really give lip service, is it? It's not enough to just uh, have an, uh, change our outward appearance. We literally need to change our hearts, is what Jesus says. For Jesus says, you cannot come unto the Father except through me. But what does Jesus say? That if you're in me, if you want to show the world that you're my disciples, you need to keep my commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And without keeping of my commandments, you will not see the Father. Because you can only get to him through me. And you can only get to him through me if you have a pure heart. And so that's the crux of our lesson here today. It's not enough just to clean up, uh, clean up our act on the outside. It's not enough to just give lip service. How many times do you know people who are not living for Christ, but they give you the religious answer? I could give you the Bible answer, but I'm not actually living for Christ. So is it enough to just know the Bible answer? You see, there's the hard heart, and then there's the pure heart. And so we need to understand that it's the pure of heart that will seek Christ. You know, we're going to look at somebody in Scripture here this morning. His name's Moses. Moses had the pure heart. I know this because the Scriptures tell us that if you wish to see God, you have to have a pure heart. And we know that somebody was allowed to see even about of a sliver of the glory of God. And his name is Moses. So I'm going to take you back to an earlier time. I'm going to take you to, uh, back to a time uh, when the children of Israel were at the foot of Mount Sinai. 
where the tablets of the testimony had just been written with the very finger of God, but now they lay shattered at the base of the mountain in the gold dust. They lay shattered, Israel's in disarray and in despair. And our first passage of Scripture comes to us by way of Exodus chapter 32, verse 19 and 20, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. It came about, as soon as Moses came near the camp, that he saw the calf in the dancing, and Moses' anger burned, and he threw the tablets of testimony. He threw the tablets that God had just written with his very finger. He, take, he had taken those tablets, and he threw them and shattered them at the base of the mountain. It says, Moses' anger burned. He threw the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain, it tells us in verse 19. Verse 20 says, He took the golden calf, which they had made, and he burnt it with fire, and he ground it to powder. He scattered it over the surface of the water, and he made the sons of Israel drink it. Brethren, the taste of the water mingled with the burnt, powdered gold is still lingering on their lips. And now not only do they have the bad taste of this burnt statue, of this powdered gold that is still on their lips. Not only are they dealing with that, but now they have to bury the dead. You see, because this act of betrayal, this idolatry, had cost them 3,000 lives of their friends and family members. So now they have this bitter taste in their mouth. Now they're burying their loved ones. Why? Because of a hard heart. Because of a heart that was full of idolatry. Because of a heart that didn't really want to know God. Didn't want to really have God, Jehovah God, be their God. They wished for something more. They wished for something different. They longed to go back to slavery. They longed to go back to idolatry. The first hint of trouble when they say, This Moses, he went up into the mountain. We don't know what has come of him. Let's build ourselves a golden calf. Where did, that, where did that idea come from? It came from Egypt. It came from their history. 400 years of slavery being inundated by pagan idolatry, and they gave in themselves to idolatry. And so at the first hint of doubt, the first hint of trouble, their inclination is to do what? Build an idol. While Moses is on the mountain getting God's law, we see that these knuckleheads decide, let's build a golden calf. And Aaron, who's supposed to be uh, uh, Moses' helper, builds them the calf. And then later lies, I don't know. We just threw some gold in there and out popped a golden calf. That's paraphrasing, obviously. But we know, though, you guys know the story. And so we look at the scriptures here this morning. They have the taste of this burnt, powdered gold lingering on their lips. They're burying their dead. And now we fast forward. Because God's meeting place with Israel now lies outside the camp because of the stubbornness. Because of this obstinate people, God no longer wants to go before them. And so the outlook for Israel at this time as God's chosen people, as his chosen nation, it seems kind of grim, does it not? I mean, we're barely in the infancy stages of them being God's chosen people, and God's ready already to smite them. And so the outlook for Israel is grim at this point. What started out with shouts of, of, of agreement. You guys remember back in Exodus 19 and 8? They were shouting with joy. They were shouting agreement to all that God had required to them. They were shouting their faithfulness unto the Lord. And then literally... 
Just a few moments later, they're building a golden calf. And so what was a time of agreement and promises of faithfulness has turned to mourning and silence. However, there's still one individual in Israel. There was still one individual in Israel who had a pure heart. His name is Moses. And in Exodus chapter 33 and 34, Moses intercedes on the behalf of Israel. These two chapters are really fascinating. If you haven't read Exodus 33 and 34, I would encourage you to read these chapters later on today. Because the conversation between God and Moses, and it's not the first time, it's really a fascinating conversation. Because the purity of Moses' heart is put on full display for us to examine and for us to emulate. Moses, brethren, was permitted to see a very sliver of God's glory. And it was Jesus who centuries later would speak to the crowds of a, on, the, on a, Galilean, a, a Galilean mountainside and say, Blessed are the pure in hearts, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This was said by Jesus Christ, God himself, many centuries later. And we know that there was an individual who was allowed to see a sliver of God's glory. Brethren, if we seek to be pure of heart as Moses displayed, there are five really areas that we must focus on. If you look on the screen behind me, I'll have these listed. The first area of the pure heart is the desire to be taught of God. But it's not just to be taught of God, it's to be taught by God. The second aspect of the pure heart is to refuse to continue without God's presence. To refuse to continue without God's presence in your life would be futile. It would be pointless if we choose and if we claim to be God's chosen people. Thirdly, the pure of heart earnestly desire to see God's glory. What do we see and what do we notice as we study out these middle chapters of Exodus? We see that Moses who's already God's chosen representative, he longed to see him in his full glory, even though God says, no man can see me in my full glory and live. We know that the pure of heart, and number four, are eager, and they are thorough in their obedience to God. In, ver in number five, we see that the pure of heart, they beg God for his mercy. They beg God for forgiveness. So with that in mind, if you wish to be pure of heart, if you wish to see God, because only those who are pure of heart will see God, you need to understand these five aspects. And so we're going to break them down this morning. Let's start with the first one. The first one says the pure of heart desire to be taught by God, or taught of God, but also by God. And if you look at Exodus chapter 33 and verse 13 in the first half of this verse, it says, Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sights, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. You see, this is Moses talking to God. He says, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways. Let me know your ways so I can know you. What is the first pure of heart uh, aspect? It is to be taught by God and it is to be taught of God. Brethren, it makes me think of the, of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah would go on to speak of a time when the people of God would come to God. And in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3, it says that he may teach us, that God may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in God's paths. You see, brethren, remember, the pure of heart are individuals who long to see God and recognize that the only source for that knowledge is the Lord himself. 
So what do we have in Holy Writ? We have the inspired Word of God. We have messengers in the Old Testament, prophets. We have messengers in the New Testament, disciples and apostles, who were given prophecy, who were given the Word of God. It allows us to know who God is. It allows us to know the nature of God. It allows us to know the expectations of God. So if you wish to become pure of heart, you must diligently seek out God. You must diligently seek to know his nature. You must diligently seek to know his law and his command that is, that is expected of you. Because Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 8 again, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for only they shall see God. You see, brethren, this is a crucial topic that we're going to look at here this morning. How fitting was it for Moses, who asked, who asked to be taught of God's ways, that he is actually given the privilege to record the law on behalf of all of Israel. Brethren, those who develop purity of hearts, they must allow their desire to know God to be what actually motivates them to study diligently the word of God. What does 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 tell us? That we are to study God's word diligently in order to make sure that we accurately know the word of God. To make sure that we're able to then take it out to others. So that way we can be ready when God is ready to use us. When God puts somebody in our path. So we are able to take the word to them. To teach them of God's nature. To teach them of his expectations. To teach them of his son. And what his sacrifice means for our very lives. But not just us, but all of creation. You see, brethren, the pure in hearts must not only desire to know God, but to be taught by God. And we have that in the very New Testament. Remember that under the new covenant in Christ, the pure-hearted fulfill the promise that was given in Jeremiah 31. And in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews in chapter 8 and verse 10, he quotes from uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. And it tells us, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Brothers and sisters, the hard-hearted individuals, they have no real desire to be taught by God. They have no real desire to know more about God. They have no real desire to, uh, to be held accountable to the law of God because you see, they can only see inwardly. They can't see outwardly. They can only think of themselves and their own problems and their own situation, and they can't see past the storms of life. They can't see how the Word of God and being faithful to Him will make them pure of hearts, will give them the opportunity at the end of their very lives to see God and to be with God. Brethren, we look at the Scriptures here this morning. We now get to the second point, the pure of heart, to refuse to continue without God's presence. And you see what it says in Exodus 33 on the screen behind me. Exodus 33, starting in verse 14, says, And God said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, If, you, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people Israel? Is it not, is it not by your going with us? So that, we, so that we, I, and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are found upon the face of the earth? 
You think about what Moses and God are saying here in, uh, in Exodus 33. Moses understood that the Lord's presence amongst the Israelites is what made them unique in the first place. They would have never made it out of Egypt if it wasn't for Jehovah God. If it wasn't for the mighty hand of God, they'd still be being repressed. They would still be worshiping false gods. They would still be being uh, inundated and influenced by a pagan, sinful people. They would still be slaves. And yet, it was Almighty God that had given them the strength and the power and the ability to be separated from that evil influence. God had chosen Israel to be his own special people amongst all the peoples of the world, as we learn in Exodus 19. And even the promise of angelic guidance, even the promise of angelic protection that we read about in Exodus 33 and 2 was no replacement for the very presence of God himself. You see, brethren, without God, they were nothing. Without God, Israel is nothing. Without God, you are nothing. You see, brethren, you are only unique because of God. You are only unique and able to be who you are in Christ because of the sacrifice of Christ, because of God's love, his grace, and his mercy. And having a pure heart means refusing to go another step down the pathway of life without a relationship with Jesus Christ, without a relationship with Jehovah God, without understanding who God is in your life. By contrast, though, there's those individuals, even in the church, who have hard hearts. And they seek the rewards of a good life. They want the blessings of God. They want the blessings of God apart from faithfulness unto God. They want the blessings of God and they want to go to Canaan apart from God and all the blessings and the good things that he wants to give. And a hard-hearted Moses would have gladly accepted the, Lord of Canaan, or the Lord's offer to go to Canaan without God. You see, because that was an offer that was made in Exodus 33, verse 1 through 3. But Moses understood that without God's favor, without God's presence, without God's protection, what's the point? You remember when the 12 spies were sent out? Even knowing Almighty God is on their side, 10 of them came back and did what? Woe is me. Please don't send us to this, to this land. They're like giants. They're going to gobble us up and spit us out. But what did Joshua and Caleb have to say? They, they spoke of the mighty hand of God. They spoke of God's provisions. They said, who could stand before us if God is on our side? You know the rest of that story. Brethren, I want you to consider this information this morning because I don't think there's a person in here this morning who doesn't want to see God. But you can't see God if your heart is hard. You can only see God if you have a pure heart. And we get to the third point. Now let's consider the pure of heart, honestly desire to see God's glory. If you're pure in heart, you honestly desire to see God's glory. In Exodus 33 and 18, I don't have it on the screen, but Moses said, please, please show me your glory. But think about it. He wants to see more of God. He wants to see the glory of God. He's already seen representations of God. Go back to Exodus 3. What do you know? You see the burning bush. Was that God? You go back to Exodus 13, you see the pillars of the, of the fire in the cloud. That was God. You go back to Exodus 19, you see the, the smoke and the fire atop of Mount Sinai. That was God. You think of Exodus 33 and 11, where Moses and God were speaking face to face. 
Not literally face to face, because no one can see the face of God and live in, as far as mankind. But God and Moses were speaking as two friends, God being in the pillar of the cloud. But they spoke as two friends would speak. You see, brethren, Moses had seen God in multiple ways. And yet, in Exodus 33 and verse 18, he still asks for more. Why? Because the pure of heart earnestly desires to see God, his, 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 his Lord, his God, his Savior, in his full glory. Moses recognizes that he has not seen the full glory of God. And the pure-hearted man of Moses wanted nothing more than to experience God in all of his glory. Experience God in all of his splendor. And so God agrees to allow Moses to see just a small sliver of the full force of God, the full, the full majesty of God. He allowed him to see just a sliver of him. And we learn in Exodus 30 and 20, it says, But God said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. It really makes me think of the Apostle John. The Apostle John, in John chapter 1, we know that John spoke of a day in this passage of Scripture. He spoke of a day when the pure heart would receive what Moses had longed to receive. 1 John 3, 2 and 3 says this, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see him just as he is. Did you understand that? Do you see what that just said? We are going to be able to see, once we die and stand before God, we're going to see exactly what Moses had longed to see. We're not sure yet what we're going to be, but we're going to be like him and we're going to see him just as he is. And verse 3 says, And everyone who has this hope fixed in him purifies himself just as God is pure. Brethren, to try and understand this in a sense. We see this passage of Scripture, but we also know that the Holy Spirit of God, did you not receive that at the time of baptism? Is the Holy Spirit not working in our very lives? Is the Holy Spirit not uh, causing a change to happen within us? A change that's happening from the inside to the inside out? I want you to think of the idea of metamorphosis. Most of the time we think of metamorphosis as commonly described with that spectacular event when the little caterpillar turns into that beautiful butterfly. That's metamorphosis. Paul affirms that believers, Christians, in the here and now are in the process of such a metamorphosis, if you will. A change in a spiritual and a moral sense to where we have come out of our little cocoons and we become this beautiful butterfly. Paul is affirming that this is happening because of the Holy Spirit being at work in all believers. Brethren, the character of God is emerging in our human lives, and the Spirit of God is doing the work with, from within. Brethren, but it only happens when we allow the Word of God to transform our very lives like we often talk about in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. But John also says in this passage of Scripture, not not dealing with what Paul was talking about. But John says in this passage of Scripture on the screen behind me, he says that there's going to come a time when Christ is going to return. And when Christ returns, that's when the living will be changed because we're going sh to shed our earthly tents. We're going to shed our earthly bodies. And we're going to become like Christ in spirit form. 
And so, brethren, we think about the third aspect of a pure heart. And the third aspect of a pure heart is are those who earnestly desire to see God in all his glory. But, brethren, in order to see God in all his glory, you need to live a life in the here and now with a pure heart. A heart that longs to know God. A heart that longs to see God in his glory. A heart that is willing to allow the word of God to transform them into something that is beautiful, like that little butterfly. And then I think of the fourth aspect of the pure hearts. The pure heart is eager and thorough in our obedience to God. How do I know this? Well, just even think of Moses. Exodus chapter 34, verse 1 and 2 on the screen behind me says this. Now the Lord said to Moses, Cut out for yourself two stone tablets like the former ones, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets, which you shattered, so be ready by morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me atop of the mountain. Brethren, the pure of heart does as Moses had done, meaning that they, we, we listen to God's instruction, and we carry out God's instruction with an exact fashion. We don't look to partially carry out. He didn't say, hey, uh, you know, Moses didn't say, well, you know, he wants me to cut out these tablets and bring them up by tomorrow. You know, that's a lot of work. But I bet you if I come up with some papyrus or something, or if I come up with something different, eh, that would be good enough. I'll just go up there and, uh, you know, I'm not really a morning person, but, you know, I'll get up there about noontime and uh, I'll say, hey, I'm here. How do you think that would have worked out for, for Moses, right? Moses understood obedience. He understood the power of God. He understood what it meant to be faithful unto God. And so the point, seriously, that is being made is that no less than 14 times we find the phrase, as the Lord had commanded Moses. As the Lord had commanded Moses, the Lord expected Moses to do. Not to do some version of what he said, but to do what he said. And so note that Moses is not showing the glory of God until after he has carried out God's instructions. You see, brethren, it is the hard heart of certain individuals in the church and outside of the church that seek a path around God's commandments, that seek a path to relax portions of God's commandment. The hard-hearted individuals are those who are not willing to do as God commands. Why? Because they're not all in. They don't really want God to be the God of their lives in the, in the complete and full sense. You see, when God said, what is the first and great commandment? When Jesus was asking that of the rich man, he said, what is the first and great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. How can you say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you don't even do what he asked you to do? You, don't even, you only partially do what God asked you to do. How do you think that's going to work out for you in the judgment? What did Jesus say in Matthew 5 and 8? Who's going to see God? Those who are pure in heart. Those who long to see God. Those who long to learn of God by God. Those who long to see the majesty of God. Those who allow God to transform their hearts and minds. You see, brethren, it is the hard heart of certain people that seeks a pathway around God's commands and still want the full blessings of God. Brethren, that is why the Apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy. He said, I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia. He says, listen, i got to go. But I need you to stay on at Ephesus. Why? To teach certain men, not to teach strange doctrine. What is strange doctrine? Something contrary to what God had said. 
something different than the command that God had given. It makes me think of what the Apostle Paul, he had to say to the people of Rome as well in Romans 16, in verse 17 and 18. Paul told the, people, told the people of Rome, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances. Notice what it says. Contrary to the teachings which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves not of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. But by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So what is the point here? The point is, those who are, those who are teaching contrary to what the apostles had taught by the Holy Spirit, guide, uh, by the Holy Spirit guiding them, they are only people who deceive. And so lastly, brethren, before I close this lesson down, we're going to look at the fifth point. And the fifth point of the pure heart of God is that we need to beg for God's forgiveness. We need to beg for God's mercy. Brethren, in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 8 and 9 on the screen behind me, notice what it says. Moses had made haste to bow, to bow low toward the earth and worship. He said, if, I, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray let the Lord... Uh, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are so obstinate, meaning stubborn, and pardon our iniquity, pardon our sin, and take us as your own possession. Finally, brethren, the pure of heart, they recognize the dire situation that they are in without the Lord. They recognize the dire situation before the Lord. Upon witnessing a small portion of God's glory, we see that Moses prostrates himself, falls down to the ground, bows his face to the ground, and he begs for God's forgiveness. He begs for God's mercy. Brethren, it is the hard-hearted individual that refuses to recognize a need for God's grace. It's the hard-hearted individuals who refuse to recognize the need for God's forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. Brethren, while the pure of hearts the pure of heart are the ones who readily, willingly admit their sin before God, and they desire to see him once more. So, brethren, I leave you with this. The pure heart of God recognize that God's forgiveness is the only way to be in a right relationship with God. And in James chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And the last passage we'll look at this morning is Psalm 51 and 10, which simply says, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Brethren, as we shut this down, remember it is only the pure heart that will see God. Often Moses had to prostrate himself before God on behalf of the stubborn people of Israel. But he did so because he knows the power of God. He knows the majesty of God. He knows the, the expectations of God. And he knows what it means to be of pure heart and to do all that God required of him. And yet many of us refuse to forgive even the slightest transgression from one of our brothers or sisters in Christ. Why is it that some of us are so pig-headed and so stubborn that we refuse to even forgive the slightest of transgressions, and yet we see the pure-hearted Moses literally begging for mercy, begging forgiveness, not for his own sins, but for the sins of the people of Israel? Brethren, we need to really think about, think about that statement. 
If you are the individual who is here this morning who has a hard heart because you refuse to forgive others, you refuse to, to do all that God commands of you, brethren, you have a hard heart. You probably won't see God. But if you choose to want to see God, if you choose to want to allow the Word of God to transform your heart and your mind, then you'll learn to have a little bit of grace. You'll learn to give grace to others. You'll learn to be merciful. You'll learn to be compassionate. You'll learn to be forgiving. Why? Because only the pure heart shall see God. Brethren, forgiveness is necessary. So if you have not forgiven those, and there is something that is holding you back, I would, I would, I would require you, I would ask you to think on it, I would ask you to pray on it, and then I would ask you to forgive others of their transgressions. Why? Because the Bible says, if you do not, your Heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. You know the rest of the statement. If you're here today, and you're hearing this message, and you are not a child of God, but your desire is to become a child of God. Brethren, you could come forward this morning to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You could come forward this morning to not only be baptized for the remission of your sins, but you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit that resides within us? Because there is no physical temple now. We are the temple of God. God is within us if you give your life over to Christ. And God will start to transform you from the inside out. To go from a hard heart to a pure heart. As you allow the word of God to change you from that caterpillar into that beautiful little butterfly. Brother, if that is your desire this morning, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation. <laughs>